So hello and welcome back to the Comic Crush Presents Script and Pencils. I'm Paul and before we get rolling with the show, I just want to remind you that the Comic Crush is a weekly online curated comics magazine giving you the best from the world of comic books in the form of essays and podcasts. We're ad-free and can only stay that way with subscriptions to our Patreon, so if you want to support the best in comics writing and podcasts, then sign up via the Support Us button on the website. If you sign up, you get extended versions of the podcasts and early access, as well as our new tiers coming soon. You can also follow at the Comic Crush on Twitter, like the ComicCrush.com page on Facebook, and listen to our pods on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where you can leave us a review. And don't forget to like and share, which all helps the site and the podcast grow. On today's show, I talk to Kevin Scott, who's an accomplished writer for Doctor Who, Star Wars, Assassin's Creed, and soon the Transformers and Bats of the Future crossover. Kevin has now turned his hand to a fusion of his two favourite genres, horror and spy thrillers, with The Shadow Service, which debuts this new comic book day, 19th of August, from Vault Comics. Kevin, welcome to the show. Been following your work for quite a while now, and seeing that you mostly work in the kind of licensed arena, Star Wars, and things of that nature. So it's fascinating to see now you've got this new book coming out on the 19th of August, The Shadow Service, which is a complete kind of 180 from the work that we've seen you seen from you before. I suppose the difference is obviously this is my first creator-owned title. I've got a, a number of creator-owned titles coming, and this is the first one out, out through the gate. In the last couple of years, I've become known probably through work like Star Wars Adventures um, and Tales from Vader's Castle from IDW for um, licensed all-age material. And while I love doing that stuff, and I think it's really important, horror comics are my first true love. So, yeah, Shadow Service is probably the nearest to sort of the kind of comics that I like reading that I could put out really. So yeah, so it's um, it's a melting pot of a lot of my influences. And because the things I've been doing for IDW with the sort of annual Halloween horror um, comics with the Vader's Castle series, I suppose a couple of people have commented that they get surprisingly dark for something that's supposed to be all ages. But uh, again, I think that just betrays my, my love of the macabre. Is it difficult after doing so much of the sort of all ages and so much of the licensed stuff to suddenly switch that part of the writer's brain back on that that wants to dive into that kind of more horror arena i suppose the difference is that I'm, i mean i'm still doing a lot of the um other stuff at the same time as well, <laughs> you know so at the minute I, i've shadow service is an eight issue um series at the minute on the first run and i am currently today i started writing issue nine and at the same time, I'm writing a all-age Star Wars comic, which I was doing yesterday. Um, and then I've got a couple of other projects on the go. So I'm quite used to changing gears and, uh, and sort of slipping from sort of one, from yeah, from the license work and also um, from the, uh, the, age, the age difference. I suppose the biggest difference was for this one was realising that I could, within reason, and with the uh, cooperation of, of my co-creators on it, do anything I wanted with the series because I've become so used to working with you know different people's sandboxes um, and making sure that all the pieces are back in the box when you finish with them and all those kind of things you have to do on licensed material. So yeah, it was good to to um, be able to stretch uh, my legs a bit with Shadow Service um, and you know and we've got plans for beyond the ten issues if hopefully touch wood it it, it, it lands well. So yeah, it's it's been it's been great to be able to expand a, a little bit along those directions. Is it hard to know what not to do when you can kind of go anywhere with the series? Well, that's one of the great things about doing licensed work is that you have 
boundaries and I think anyone who's a creator will tell you that boundaries can sometimes be the best possible thing because just to be told come up with an idea and run with it is really daunting to be told come up with an idea and it has to be set between these two movies and it has to feature these characters and, and oh by the way you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't mention this is always quite exciting because then you find creative ways to get around it so I mean one of the first things I did with Shadow Services tell myself what the rules were because otherwise I think I would find it too daunting. So I, in a way, I was my own licensed department. Um, so I was the one, you know, set these rules out and worked with Tay Taylor, our editor, about, you know, what the rules of the, of the world are. And then obviously sat around breaking those rules almost immediately when we wanted <laughs> to tell different stories. But yeah, so in a lot of ways, I was treating it as, as a similar kind of project. But yeah, obviously... With this one, it, it, I, I'm the one setting the rules in the first place, which is which is which is lovely. So briefly, just can we we just talk about what what Shadow Service is is about? Mm. Because it is a fusion of of two kind of fascinating arenas. W one is the kind of workaday spy, and the other is this kind of almost not Buffy esque because it's actually quite bloody and quite dark. Um, mm. But but Buffy esque horror. I mean, um, so growing up, my well, I was a, I was a, a geek of many passions when I was a kid. But um, so one of the strongest, two of the strongest were James Bond because I'm British and you have to be yeah. James Bond. By you know, otherwise you, you're a traitor and get thrown out of the country. <laughs> um, I grew up in the Roger Moore era, so it was a certain level of, of James Bond as well. Um, and through Bond, I discovered things like uh, Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible, from reading Fleming. Um, as, as opposed to watching the films, the, um, the sort of more, um, I think Taylor Soul Spy, you, you're more sort of classic um, espionage stories as well. So I've always been fascinated with that aspect of fiction and, and spy fiction. And then on the other side, um, again, being a Brit, I grew up on Doctor Who in the 70s and 80s. So I grew up with monsters and those, and that led me into a love of Hammer Horror and Universal and Stephen King and the splatter movies of the 80s. Um, and so quite early on, I think I came up with the name MI666 for a spy organisation. I think that, that's, that goes back for years and years and years. And started to sort of like write these little ideas about, you know, spies going up against supernatural foes. And so it's an idea that's been um, gestating for a, a, a very, very long time. And yeah, it's a, people say to me, have you done lots of research? And I said, yeah, I've done at least 47 years of it um, you know so it's uh, as long as I, I've been watching um, these kind of things and, and reading these kind of things and I think I've been thinking up these kind of stories so yeah so so Shadow Service is really sort of the culmination of all those different areas. It, it was fascinating reading the book because because obviously I know you from from the other sort of work and then as I was flicking through this it's just like, oh God, I can't believe you went there. I can't believe you went there. I can't believe it's that violent. It's that, and not in a in a negative way, not in a bad way, but just in a, a way that I I know from your your stuff previously. Was it nice to be able to be that bloody, that violent, that kind of? Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had chances before. I wrote the official Vikings comic for a while. Boy, boy, you can go violent for that. I mean, the very first thing I ever did. So. 2000, 2001, um, I co-wrote a very early on Doctor Who Big Finish audio called Project Twilight. And this was back in the days when really, not really anyone checking what you were doing with the Doctor Who brand because the BBC <laughs> didn't really know what to do with it or even think there was a future in it. So we got to do this story, which was about, um, the original pitch was for vampire strippers. 
<laughs> which I can't believe now was something that, that was even considered. And it, uh, one of the early drafts still had them in. I think we, we toned that bit back. But there's a lot of, I mean, in that story, you literally have one of the characters having their face blown torched off and, so, and another gangster playing this little piggy with the fingers and breaking each finger at a time. It's just dark stuff for Doctor Who. But of course, at the time, Doctor Who was dark because it was largely written for people in their 30s who remembered the original show. Everything changed in 2005, and quite rightly so. So, so you, you couldn't have that kind of thing going on anymore. Actually, the early stuff I wrote within things like Doctor Who was known to be the, the darker side of it. And as I said, I, I, I sort of fell into doing all-age stuff. And I think a lot of that actually happened when Doctor Who came back and suddenly... Your average audience went from being a 30-year-old sort of guy to an eight-year-old um, who loved the show and whose grand was buying them stuff. And the last thing you wanted to was the, that grand to buy, you know, little Johnny or little, little Jane a, a, an audio play when the companion gets their face blow-torched off. So quite naturally, you start writing, you know, in a more appropriate way. Now, I, I honestly believe that kids love horror and you know and i think you can push things further than people think half the time and again i think a lot of that is to do with my history of reading terence dick's novelizations and, and ian martin novelizations when i was a kid you know and doctor who let's face it did some pretty dark things in the 70s and 80s so yeah but because of that i, I ended up when I, I i went freelance and became a freelance writer i ended up going more into the sort of like the kids in the all-age market so while it was always there yeah, it's, it's something that I was doing less and less of. But whenever possible, like with the Vader's Castle series I've been doing for IDW, for Star Wars, you know, whenever I can put horror into into my kids' work as well, I, I do. Because again, as I say, kids usually love being grossed out. Um, and, and kids love being scared. As long as, but you've just got to be careful how you do it. That said, Shadow Service is not for kids. No. You have much as blame the office when you start reading it. Um, so yeah, this is definitely a, 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 a slight change of pace. Is it? Are, are you worried about any of the sort of younger audience? I mean, do, do you feel that they have that kind of name recognition with creators where they might see uh, Shadow Service on the shelf and go, oh, mum, I want this? <laughs> they might do. I mean, the thing, obviously, with an American-style comic, it's only got my surname on the front. So, you know, I think out of all both my names, it's the first one that's the most memorable. Yeah. So if you just be a comic with Scott on it, it could be anywhere. I mean, obviously, it's something I'm careful when I'm promoting um, things because at the same time as doing this, I've got a series of middle-grade novels set in the Warhammer 40K universe, which, again, are words I never thought I'd say. Um, middle-grade novels, Warhammer. Um, but, again, that's an example of how we, we took a, let's face it, quite bloody um, universe um, where war is absolute and, and death comes at every corner and turned it into a series of kids' books that's absolutely filled with horror. Um, so, you know, yeah, there's obviously a slight, like danger but I stuff to be very clear when I'm talking about these things you know this is the stuff I did for kids whether that was the you know when I used to write for the Beano or stuff I'm doing for Buster and that or even 2018 when I'm writing for the Reach and um, the, the all-age version um yeah I, I'm quite careful to say this is perhaps for one a few years time to my younger readers because it's something that you know you don't want to you don't want to scar them for life even though probably at that time I was getting scarred for life by reading James Herbert books yeah I mean I, I never read I can't remember if I read any James Herbert. I think I did. I re think I read some of his... Um, did he do some sort of ghost stories as well as, like, the yeah, outright... Yeah, yeah. I think the first one I read was The Rats, um, which was in our school library. Mm. <laughs> which I just love, the fact that The Rats was in our school library. And it's... I remember getting to some of the pages and going, this is interesting. It's um, so infamous not, now, The Rats. And, like... <laughs> Not just because of the horror, because some of the more adult activities yeah. some of the characters get up to. Yeah, there I was as a third year at school, sitting in the school library reading it. I think um, I read uh, Haunted 
is it haunted yeah. that he did yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so i read that and that was incredibly creepy yeah but, so you know and i say growing up in the 80s in sort of the dawn of the video nasty it mm. was the you know it was a badge of honor as a horror fan you know and i used to get fangoria you know all the time i was a yeah. proper steeped in horror kind of guy and from comics as well from things like scream and, and 2000 ad and my mum and dad hated every second of me being into horror um and i think they probably stilled it um but yeah so it was of all my my mates at school i was you know we were always trying to find who's got the video of, of you know the, the latest freddy film or whatever or, or whatever italian zombie film which was obviously a really wacky version, which was like a seventh version, you know, must um, copy. But you know, that was always what we were after. So yeah, it, it played a big part in me in, in sort of the early teens and, and, and teenage life. You've you've got kids yourself, if you like. I have. Yeah. Yeah. And it, is it then now difficult keeping that stuff away from them? Um, I, I'm probably the wrong person to talk to because I go now watch this. Um, so I've got a, I've got a 14 year old and a soon to be 12 year old. Um, right. They're just, I mean, my eldest daughter, she watches the most horrendous true crime things, which she's discovered by herself. And yeah, I mean, we, we have to be, you obviously are careful, you're a parent, you, you, you want to, you want to protect kids and make sure they're getting stuff at the right age, you know, but the day that my daughter eldest came home and said that she washed the lot, washed the lot boys at a mate's house, you know, there was part of me that was absolutely mortified at the age she was, but there was another part of me going brilliant now you've watched that film which i love we can watch this one yeah i have to remind myself <laughs> that she, she's not only just started secondary school so yeah I, I think like all these things you can try and be responsible as you can if the two of them i don't think they're going to follow me directly down the route of horror uh, they uh, they have a certain interest in it um and there's certain interest in all the nonsense i got on my shelves but i think you know i, I think they take after their mum a little bit on that as well um who loves a bit of horror but not too much i remember one of the first films i ever showed her was halloween when we started living together and we had to then move out of the flat because she started to associate it with um with the shade so um sorry i, 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 I then realized that perhaps she wasn't into so the same kind of films as i am um so yeah the girls are sort of halfway between <laughs> Sorry, that's... <laughs> oh my god! It was great actually to know how much Halloween traumatized someone who's never seen it before. You know, because for me, Halloween was like a happy movie. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of thing I <laughs> to cheer myself up um, and to show show it to someone who'd never really seen any. Of the, you know, seen stuff like Freddy in the Eighties, but never watched a Halloween movie. Um, it was great to see the effect. I just didn't realize the effect it was really going to have. And then I followed up with Dog Soldiers. Um, which is probably one of the goriest, you know, for sort of uh, Dog Souls, you haven't watched it, is an amazing British horror film about werewolves and soldiers. Mm, I love um, it. Which again is there are elements that probably have ended up in Shadow Service um, for influence from that film. But yeah, again, it, it's in, it is, there's loads of practical effects and there's loads of gore. Um, and I'd forgotten how much gore, and I'd, I'd forgotten how Claire had pointed out that perhaps she doesn't like, you know, the back of a lorry opening up and. and entire gallons of, of gore flowing out of it which of course happens in that film quite early on so um so yes so i think the if the girl the girls are probably going to be somewhere in between which i think is probably a healthy place that's good i suppose it means that the that they can uh read shadow service fairly early yes. on and uh not not kind of worries you much how, how do they feel about your again not to pry into your family and i'm sorry it, it, this is is prying but how do they feel about your work do they read your stuff um that you're doing now like the license focus group when it comes to star wars i mean i i was lucky that i was starting writing star wars just before when the force awakens came out mm. 
And so just in the, sort of the first series of Rebels, and I, I tried to show them Star Wars before, and it was that thing of, oh, this is that thing Dad likes, and it was a bit creaky for them, and they didn't really get it. Then they discovered Rebels for themselves, and they called me into a room and go, and went, is this that Star Wars thing, Dad? And I, I watched the you know, five minutes and went, oh, is it ever? Uh, you know, it's the most <laughs> Star Wars thing I'd seen in years. Um, and we sat down and, and we watched all the way through, and through that and then Force Awakens, they blossomed into a love of Star Wars. I mean, I think my young, my youngest one is still, we were supposed to be going up to America this week for holiday and for in a couple of weeks and go to Galaxy's Edge and then oh. there was celebration, um, celebration at the end of the month where we were launching the High Republic. Um, and so that was actually going to be on Connie's birthday. So very disappointed that for obvious reasons we're not going. So we're having a little mini celebration here because she is Star Wars mad and now has gone back and watched the original trilogy and watched the prequels and watched everything she can. And, and so, yeah, it was good that they sort of discovered it on their own. So just at the time when I was getting into writing Star Wars, they were getting into Star Wars as fans. So it's been great to sort of share share that. And I can justify buying a lot more Star Wars toys, even more Star Wars toys now because I get to share them with my daughters. When I say share, they get to look at them on the shelves, um, you know, and marvel from a distance. Yeah, so it's been great. And again, with Doctor Who, they were just at the right age, around the time of the 50th anniversary when I was I was really heavily involved in Doctor Who again. They were the right age then. So it's mean that they, they've done some cool things. You know, I've been able to get Chloe onto the TARDIS. I've, I've been able to get um, Chloe, who's a, she's a, she wants to be an actress. So I've been able to get to some finished recordings and stuff and to get some advice from some of the old actors and companions of the show so Amazing. yeah they've been very they've been involved very much in in what i'm doing um and so yeah and they are my first critics you know i go to them and say writing this story about how and han and chewy and my youngest is obsessed with chewbacca and i'm sure she's brother chewbacca was her father um and you know this is what i'm doing what do you think and they turn around and say dad that would never happen and this is why and they come up with a much better idea i take all the credit for and more important the cash too which is uh well yeah i'm which, sure you know, trickles down to them <laughs> yeah. you know. trickle down economics they, they get it in star wars toys no doubt they get, um, yeah they get they get a lot of the star wars lego so what was it like pitching this series to to the publishers the first time did it i mean did you feel great like did they come to you and say okay we sense that there's a strong kind of horror vein in your work we, we'd like you to do a, a create your own series for us or was it that you went to them and said you know i've actually always wanted to do this um, it was a bit of both, really. So I met Vault, I think, at the first in San Diego. Um, they were they were um, exhibiting out, or maybe the second. Um, but it was like early on. I mean, uh, Vault Comics has done so much in such a short space of time. It's incredible. And so, yeah, I think I'm, I met up with them on, on it was definitely my first time at San Diego Comic Con. And we just got chatting and talking about the kind of things we like and the kind of things we were reading at the time. And, yeah, so, that, you know, quite early on they said, Go and pitch some ideas, and I pitched them a couple of things which didn't really work. One, you know, that that was was almost there. Another one that didn't was actually a bit too near something else they were doing. And it got to the point I was going, "Why well, is anything going to land here?" And we were talking about it. We we kept saying we want to work together, but we can really get it to gel. And then, as I said, I've been I've been working on the general idea of MI six 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 and shadow service for a long time, but couldn't quite get it to work until I came up with the lead character of Gina Meyer, who is this witch, sort of 20-something witch, who works in London as a private detective, using her powers to help find people. She thinks she's one of the only supernatural people in the world. Her best friend's a talking rat. 
well, we, we, we assume, you know, only she can understand, but things might change. And then when she came into it, all these other characters that have been sort of nebulously floating around and the idea came together and she was the linchpin. And it all came back because I was walking home from the cinema one night. I had my earpods on and the soundtrack for The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina came on. And I love it when things like this happen. Um, and it was the cover version of Black Magic Woman that's on that soundtrack. And as I was listening to that, I sort of, it sounds really, really wanky. But it's, it's, you know, I, I saw the character. I, I suddenly, I knew. No, that's exactly who she was and so i went home wrote her into the story realized that she was the, the linchpin of it all emailed adrian at vault and the title for the email was something like tinker taylor soldier witch um <laughs> and he came back he came back on yeah we'll do it. so then i obviously had to put a proper pitch together for it but you know it, it that was the moment that it, it's the things everything we've been talking about and it's the kind of moment when you're punching yourself going Really? Why hadn't I thought of this before? Why hadn't I thought that that, that concept that I've been thinking of for ages for that publisher? But it, everything clicked and everything he'd mentioned, what he wanted from me, everything that I said, what I wanted to do, so it was all summed up in shadow service. And so, yeah, so from there, it, it moved quite quickly to the point when yeah, now we've got the, the series launching in a week or so time. That's amazing. I love those kind of eureka moments. And there nearly is always one with every creative project. There's uh, always I one thing. Song, uh, but when I start every issue, because you were saying earlier on, you know, do I find it difficult sometimes to sort of switch? And I do have to try and make sure that I, if I'm writing something for kids, I, I do it on a different day to I'm writing some of other service or for some of the other things I'm working on, which are sort of horror and adult based. And the one one way I get, I sort of do that gear change is listen to music. And I have sort of tracks that, you know, whether it's easy when it's something like Star Wars, because you just play the theme and you're there. So, yeah, Black Magic Woman has become the sort of unofficial theme in my head for it. And so whenever I, this morning when I sat down and I did an hour of Star Wars, and then I went, right, I need to get into shadow service mode. And I just put that track on and, and everything clicks back in. And I think sometimes those cues can be so important. Mm. especially when you're working on lots of different things at the same time so yeah it's definitely become the unofficial theme tune of the show that's fantastic though i like i, I genuinely love those moments because uh it's always great to hear creators suddenly getting that that click yeah and then opening up a whole world for them and and um it's it's one of the most serene things whenever i try and create something that i get and and it's it's lovely to hear that other people uh get that too yeah and then i had the second kick myself moment with it where we were talking about because obviously i hadn't gone with an artist at this point it was just an idea and vault does like to put together teams as well you know so they're, they're one of those publishers that likes you know you to come with an idea and then to, to suggest artists and immediately adrian um suggested corin who i'd already worked with on star wars on one of the vader's castle series and again it's one of those moments going you know i really should have thought about this because yes she, she's perfect again knowing she just done dark red tim seeley and aftershock and i didn't know her that well but what i knew about her and from looking at her you know following her as well on instagram and twitter or that kind of thing and for the brief time we worked on like an eight page story or whatever it was ten page story she obviously had this love of horror as well and so I looked at some of the, the material on her portfolio. And I was like, yeah, this is obviously who it is. And then she agreed pretty quickly, which was wonderful. And then when we started to work, everything she did has influenced the story since. Because from her character designs to, I always knew there was going to be demons and there was going to be monsters. I just didn't realize how intense they were going to be. And Corinne, <laughs> as a, an artist, is 
she's incredible. And I know that's an obvious thing for someone to create to say about the person they're working with, but the detail she puts into these mm. things. And the, there is now an entire thread in this first run of, of Shadow Service, which wasn't there before the original sketches you know there there's a supernatural um scene that now goes through it that was we were skirting around but we hadn't really again it was a bit of an eureka moment when i saw that sketch of a, of a, of a creature of a monster and i realized that what i was looking at and it was something that i hadn't quite been able to put my finger on mm-hmm. and i mean that's the, one of the greatest things about work that's why i love comics it's you know it's not just one person's vision it's definitely two and yeah current a massive horror fan as well we've been sharing horror horror films and things as we've been watching them and yeah it's been a it's been a marvelous partnership because it's definitely a very different book than when i started out but you know it's, it's probably more more of the book that i wanted to do uh, and that's because of the stuff that um corin's brought to it i mean the art was really impressive it just just very dynamic very exciting and again quite bloody um do, do you specify a lot of that the, the violence in the script or is that something that you just let corin run with I did. I think I probably specified, well, like anything, when you started out something at the beginning, I was specifying a lot more um, than I do now. The scripts have got a lot easier because I go, Corinne, do your thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I wanted to nail the tone of it from the off. And, and again, you know, issue one, it's an, it's a taste of what's coming. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's leading you in, <laughs> holding your hand and, to, and walking you into it and, and things getting more intense as the issues go on. As I said, Corin just got what the tone was and then turned it up um, immediately. And then I think then the I have to talk about Triona Farrell's um, colouring and issues. Yeah. She, she adds so much. Um, that sort of noir, neo-noir. Um, I mean, the early pages when you've got Gina walking through sort of rainy London with neon on the floor and everything, it's just straight out of a, a, a noir um, movie and exactly what we are, you know, we were going for and, you know, the kind of things we were given as references. And so, yeah, between the sort of the three, um, three elements of it, you know, the script, the colouring and, and the, and the art, and that's in no way to denigrate, you know, the lettering uh, that, mm-hmm. and what, um, you know, they complete the set um, in, the, in the lettering. But yeah, when I saw those colours, I, I realised, yeah, this is it. We've got something in here. And yeah, yeah influence, you know, from, from that point on. So the, the scripts that came, I think I'd written three scripts by the time that we had issue one, you know, underway. Um, and definitely this sort of from three on. I, I tried to play more to Corin's strength and, and, and to Tree's strength as well, and went back and tweaked some stuff in two and three. And as I said, the, the biggest thing was it was the incredible demon work, which other you know people won't see sort of starts to come in till two and three and four because Corin just created this incredible design for the sort of how the demons work in, in Shadow Service, which wasn't there when we started. And so yeah, that's we definitely leaned into that. That's I mean I, I'm really looking forward to seeing issue two and three and beyond now um I, I really enjoyed the preview thank you so much for for kind of sending it over and, and let me see it early okay. um i can't wait to actually see it in in physical form uh, and I, I recommend to anyone listening that you get that on your your standing order as soon as possible because it comes out on the 19th so only just over a week away from from where we are right now but it's definitely going to be one of those that i think people will regret having missed in singles if they don't pick it up um, well, I hope, obviously, I hope so. You know? Yeah, um, you know, so. and there'll be plenty of chances because you know because we sell out there. We'll be a second printed, so you know, try, try if you haven't pre-ordered it, go and get it now. We'll put, you know, try to, you know, we'll happily print more copies. 
it's certainly absolutely. it's certainly going on my my standing order but i absolutely loved it and and I, I, I wish nothing but the best for you, Corin Tree and and, uh, and, uh, and, and it's it's a terrific book, and I hope you have every success with it. And I, I just want to thank you for for talking to us today. It's been a no, pleasure. No, thanks for having me. It's been great. It's been good fun. Yeah, it's it's it, not often I, I laugh this much during a, a podcast, so yeah. I'm really uh, <laughs> thank good. you for that. <laughs> just what we needed in this heat. Yeah, exactly. But thanks very much, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Bye bye. It's drawn by Corin Howe with colours by Triona Farrell and letters by Anne World Design. The shadow service is a creepy, action-packed and blood-filled ode to Tinker Taylor and Hammer Horror. Kevin talks about the origins of this idea, his work on licensed comics and his love for the horror genre. Staying with his love for the horror genre, if you're one of our patrons, you'll get a bonus extended edition of the podcast where Kevin also discusses Hammer Horror, the horror comic Scream and his next major book due soon. Now, on with the show. It was great to hear from Kevin. I'd also like to hear from you guys, though. So you can contact me, paul at thecomiccrush.com or on at thecomiccrush on Twitter and follow the comiccrush.com page on Facebook. Don't forget to support us on Patreon if you can. And remember, the Shadow Service is out this week, 19th of August, at your local comic shop. Follow at Scott on Twitter for more updates. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Crush.